You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks. I'm Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined by Sean Kaufman, who's the Director of Human Resources at Riggs Industries in Pennsylvania. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Garrett. How are you? I'm doing so good. It's great to have you on the show. I'm glad that you're feeling better. I know we had to postpone this recording a little bit because the COVID bug hits your house. Is that right? Yeah, I became a statistic, but um, you know, other than a... a decrease in sense of smell, I I think we're going to make it. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that everyone's doing okay. I'm excited to dive into this topic today. I think it's a unique one that will really resonate with a lot of our listeners for this show. But again, before we jump into that, tell us a little bit more about your career background and Riggs Industries. Okay. Um, I've been in uh, HR my entire professional life. Um, I began working for several companies that uh, built and um, developed and, and managed malls, shopping malls. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that business has, has taken uh, taken a few hits recently. But um, in addition to that, um, other companies that that were manufacturer um, in the manufacturing space. My current employer, Riggs Industries, who I've been with over 15 years, were a Pennsylvania family-owned based or Pennsylvania-based family-owned uh, company, about 400 employees. Um, we are a construction manufacturing company, which is pretty unique. So on the manufacturing side, uh, we build J&J truck bodies and trailers. So mm. we, we produce those and they're sold up and down the East Coast and, and shipped internationally. On the construction side, um, you know, we have the ability to engineer, fabricate and um, erect in the field uh, projects. So, you know, a work site for us on the construction side could be a coal mine, power plant, um, steel mill, uh, some yeah. of the more unique ones. We've done work at a, at an amusement park in, uh, in Pittsburgh. We put up some roller coasters. Cool. So yeah, it's really cool. We've done some work at uh, Beaver stadium on the Penn state campus. So nice. That is, uh, that's always a, a nice breaker when you, when you talk to folks at, at schools or job fairs. Now suddenly they, you know, you have their attention. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Yeah. So one of the first questions I have for you is, you know, why did you choose to pursue a career in HR? And second part of that is what's kept you in that career? Well, I think HR is unique. Um, I, and I'll confess, I like business, but I hate numbers, which is, you know, for most HR people, they're allergic to that. I, I knew after, I think, accounting one that that wasn't where I wanted to go. And I'm not, you know, a marketing guy, but, you know, I, I still liked, like, the, just the general idea of business, the operations. And I, I, I kind of find myself being able to deal with people in awkward situations, which most folks don't want to deal with conflict. That never bothered me. In fact, I, I kind of like it as a challenge because it's, it's solving a problem. And, and, you know, if you're successful, then you have two, two happy parties. But, um, you know, what, what keeps you here is that there are no two days that are the same. You know, we started talking about COVID um, that has been a, a real interesting challenge, uh, yeah. you know, in our, in our state of Pennsylvania, when the shutdowns happened, they happened really quick and there was very little to no direction from, from our state government. Uh, so, you know, we had to figure out with literally with less than 24 hours notice, you know, how we inform our folks 
to not come in the next day and then um, how to, you know, make sure we maintain contact with them. Um, there was a process that we were able to apply for what was called an exemption to allow us to operate and, and working through that. And that kind of fell into the lap of HR. And um, it, it was it was interesting. And, and um, no one could say that the last 16 or 18 months or so have been boring for anybody. So that's um, for sure. Yeah, it's been fun. Well, good. I think that variety of tasks to work on with like that core operations business mindset is something I've heard from a lot of HR people, right? It's something that drew you and kept you there. So that's, it's interesting to see that common thread. Absolutely. So I'm excited to get into this topic today. You kind of set the, set the stage for us a little bit talking about your company. And I think one of the unique challenges that companies in the manufacturing or construction space face is how do you attract prospective workers, right? It can be hard to attract workers in some of those more traditionally blue collar roles, right? And so I love that, you know, we wanted to talk about this today. I know you have a lot of experience doing exactly that. So just to jump into that, the first question I have for you is, What's unique about manufacturing and construction companies or those in that space that that caused there to be some challenges that um, that they face when it comes to attracting prospective workers? Well, let me take half a step back and, and let me tell you what I think and you know what our pitch is to people to the why would somebody want to work in our industry? And I, I think the most compelling reason for that is that at the end of the day, we produce something tangible. Hmm. Um, I, I use an example that, you know, we, we build anything from truck bodies to roller coasters. So, you know, and, and we've used this over and over again. You can be on vacation with your family in a different state and you're going to get passed by a vehicle that you helped build or you had some part in that. That's pretty cool. Um, or you could help build a structure. You know, it, a lot of our sites are, are, are industrial commercial, so you're not going to see them, but... You know, we do work at the shipyard at Newport News. That's a big deal. We've we've mm-hmm. done some sub work on some of the carriers. That's cool. a cool job site. And yeah. you know, a football stadium or amusement park is a really cool job site. So at the end of the day, producing something tangible that that is going to endure for, in some instances, decades, there's an appeal to that. But getting back to your question, um, this has been well-researched. But what I can tell you is that, I'll give you an example. I grew up in a you know, what was a former steel town in, in the 70s and 80s. So, you know, what I recall vividly is sitting at the breakfast table, listening to the radio, getting ready for school. And you you hear the, you know, the news come on. And, and you know, I remember specifically that there was an announcement that going to lay 5,000 people off, 7,000 people off. And, and mm. so as, as a parent, as an educator, you know, and that's just an example, you know, what did we do throughout the country at that time frame? We told all the kids, number one, you work with your mind and not your hands, which hmm. I, I get that. But, you know, I can give you examples of, of how, you know, some of the brightest people in our industry are the folks on the shop floor, not necessarily in the office. But the other thing that we told them incorrectly is that you need to go to you need to go to college and get an education. You need to get a bachelor's degree because something magical will happen you know, when that occurs. And, and we distorted what education meant. We, we, we interpreted yeah. that unfortunately as meaning a BS degree where an education, you know, can be in an apprenticeship in, in one mm-hmm. of the trades, or it could be at a trade school or a vocational technical school. So for the first time, I think in recorded history, 
you know, kids started to listen to their parents. They really, they really veered away from, from our industries. And um, it, it, on its surface, it made sense. But unfortunately, um, the message got out there that, that, you know, construction and manufacturing, there is no opportunity there. And unfortunately, that, that mantra has been repeated just kind of just subconsciously over the years. And it's just made it more and more difficult to get on the radar of, of young people. Yeah, man, that resonates so much with me. I know I, I'm just thinking of family members and friends that I have who, you know, college wasn't the right thing for them or right. the, the exactly what you said is they wanted, they didn't want to sit at a desk all day. They wanted to be able to work with their hands and see the tangible result of their labor. And, you know, the, you know, that, that desk path is not for everyone, right? That desk job path is not for everyone. College is not even for everyone, the, the traditional bachelor's degree. So I love the idea um, of exactly what you said of expanding the horizon a little bit. And I think that you're right that, you know, years ago, we probably veered too far to the, you got to get a bachelor's degree, you got to get a desk job. And I like that hopefully today we're starting to open that back up again. And there is some really exciting momentum in some of these, you know, traditional industries of manufacturing of construction. There's a lot of really exciting work going on there that can really resonate and be rewarding for the right person who's looking for that. Is that right? Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Um, it, it's, it's, and that's, that's finally happening for a number of reasons. I, I think one is, is that people are, are, parents are starting, and I'm, by the way, I'm not anti-college. I, in fact, my side job, I, I'm a part-time college instructor. I teach business and mm-hmm. HR courses at night, and I've been doing that at my alma mater for over 20 years. So yeah. um, what I'm saying is that, you know, the, the, the thing that is required of, of a student graduating high school is an education, but that doesn't always mean college. You know, for some, it, it right. could. It certainly could. Nothing wrong with that. But for others, as, as you say, there there's nothing wrong with with you know working with your hands and producing a, a tangible product. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And for some people, that's where they're going to be satisfied. That's where they're going to be successful. And they're not going to be if they go that you know other route of sit in a classroom, sit at a desk all day for your job. So I think that's absolutely right. So, I mean, there is some excitement here and some exciting things happening in some of these industries, but how do we help change and improve the perception of careers kind of in those skilled trades with students right now or prospective students in the future? Well, I, I can't fix everything, but you know, in our own little, in our own little sphere of influence, you know, we can do what we can. I'll tell you what we did. So, you know, in, in the old days, and, and maybe this never even existed, you know, you'd run an ad in the paper and you'd sit back with your cup of coffee and three days later, four days later, the mail would start coming in and, and you'd get through resumes and you would be, you know, like the Caesar, you'd do the thumbs up or thumbs down. Mm-hmm. Well, that, you know, we fished that pond out decades ago. That doesn't exist. You can still go after those folks. So what we realized is that you have to start playing the long game. You, you need to You need to make young people and educators and administrators and parents more aware of, of not only, you know, what is available in your company, but what's available in your industry. So what we started to do, and this, this just kind of came about organically. We got invited to um, a chamber of commerce meeting. And, and the, the question was, Hey, you know, we have these three business reps and, and tell us, you know, we're going to have this, this rep there and you know, we're going to host them. And, what are your three biggest challenges? And and I put mine together in a real quick PowerPoint and then so did the other two. And, 
and we we all presented independently. But the ironic part is that that we all came up with the three biggest issues, and and mm-hmm. the the one that we at our company decided to focus on was that um, you know we can't we we don't have young people applying for jobs here. So um, you know, with my background in education and and the fact that you know even before that. Uh, I worked at a college and my job was to go into schools. I, I felt comfortable there. So um, from that initial meeting, um, it just started that that a few superintendents were there. Hey, can you come in and talk to our, our teachers? And that went well. And it moved over to we started hosting educators um, at our facility for tours. And that expanded to the program that we have now. Now, like a lot of things, COVID interrupted it, but we got yeah. back on track a little bit last year and, and we're really hope with, you know, the, the 21, 22 school year that we'll be able to do it more that um, in, in schools within about an hour of our facility, uh, we will go in and present, I will go in and present to students, not only about our company, our company, um, careers that are available on our field, but also what a, what employers' expectations are. So, you know, simple things like coming to work on time, um, showing initiative, um, you know, seeking additional training. What? Sh- how should you present yourself during interviews? That that was that was welcomed. So mm-hmm. we've we've gone to schools. We go to schools. We host educators at our facility. Uh, in fact, on more than one occasion. Um, we, you know, in our county in particular, uh, they'll do superintendent meetings. We've held them at our facility. Um, two years ago, one of the districts, you know, before the school year starts, they will, um, they'll have a couple days of in-service. You know, we offered our facility up as a meeting room. It's nice to get out of, mm-hmm. like everyone else, it's nice to get away from your, your normal place of business and, and get out and do something different. So we hosted them here. And, and guess what? While they're here, we're going to do tours. Yeah. Um, we have, um, including myself, several people on advisory committees at local high schools, trade schools, tech centers that, you know, we'll talk to them about their curriculum and how they can better align their curriculum with what employers actually need. And at the same time, um, we will host them at our facilities for tours. Um, we'll do mock interviews with them. So the way that we look at it, any opportunity that you can take to get your name out in front of parents, educators, and students, or invite them in um, to your facility to see what's out there. Because um, one of the biggest programs that we've we've done over the years is at the end of the school year, um, and our county is really good about it, is uh, hosting educators for different tours of local businesses. And the thing that, the thing that we hear repeatedly is the same thing. I had no idea that this was here. I had no idea that you produce these products. And it's not only our company, but but others in the in the similar sector. So I, you know, what we're doing in concert with other businesses in our region is getting that word out there. Because again, when these young people are looking for guidance on what career can a path can I take, you know, for college, for a lot of kids, it's perfect. For other kids, it's the military. But, you know, for a, a fairly large percentage of the population, um, they want to get to work. They don't want to incur debt and they like the idea of making stuff. There's something very rewarding about that. And, you know, in, in our region, there are several businesses that do the same thing that we do. I'd like to believe that we do it better, but what we want to have is that when these kids are coming out and they're thinking about a career, 
we're the we're one of the first places that they look. So it, it's both doing the right thing as as a good corporate citizen and a local family owned business, as it is a, a you know being out there and, and, you know, getting the word out about your business. So, you know, maybe you'll get a few of those young folks that will apply for you. I love that, man. Such, such awesome tips there. I think I could so much stuff to, we could just dive into there. I love that, you know, your focus is I, I kind of summarize what I heard from you is really just again, play the long game. And that means get involved with your local community and chamber of commerce or government there, get involved with your local colleges and universities that are around. So you can start changing that perception from parents and educators in the community of the awesome opportunities that exist there for those who this will really resonate with. Is that right? Anything you'd add? That's perfect. I love it. I think that there's some really great tangible examples that you shared there too. I love the idea of going into universities and doing some presentations, offering up, you know, your conference room for people to be able to meet in and you can do tours at the same time. So I think that makes sense. And again, like you said, it's, it's the long game though. And I think that's sometimes why it's hard to do it. You don't, you probably don't see those results, tangible results of a ton of resumes right away. Right. But tell us a little bit more about the impacts that you have seen from doing this the last few years well you know it, and again it, it it it's putting it's being willing to put the work in the, in the time and um you know we have gone so far as for instance a, a local school we we wanted them to teach students how to weld aluminum and they didn't have it's an expense we donate scrap to them yeah um we uh one of our one of our former trainers would come in and, and help the instructor get the machine set up and, and help him with his technique so he can teach the students. So, I mean, that, that's hands-on stuff. Um, it's, it's spending the time. There's a, there's a program that operates out of PA, Maryland and West Virginia, something called the challenge program. So what, what you do in essence is, is a business ad- adopts a school. And at the end of the school year, these, these kids get to compete for, cash prizes in, in a variety of categories, most improved, um, highest GPA, STEM, and a few others. So again, it's another opportunity of tangibly investing in schools and, and, uh, and, and getting, getting the, the name out there. So it, it helps a great deal. I love that. I think that makes a, a, a lot of sense. And you have a big impact on your community in addition to helping, you know, fill that pipeline of potential candidates long-term. So yeah. that's awesome. You, you had asked me, and I apologize because I'm going to claim COVID fog. It's real. But yeah. um, you, you had asked me about, you know, examples. I, I can give you two that, that occurred within the last six months. Yeah. Um, there was one young man that, that applied that remembered meeting us um, about six school years ago. And wow. this is a kid that, that we thought a lot of when he was a senior in high school, we wanted him bad. He would have been a great welder. He decided that the military was was where he wanted to go. So um, I, I can't remember if he he pursued that, but that was the direction. And and I think he ended up staying local and and you know applying to a couple other places. But he came back to us, hmm. and uh, you know we talked to him and we offered him something. I have another young man that um, showed up at one of our facilities, filled an application out, and we hired him that that I met two and a half school years ago. <laughs> and, um, and again, it was one of those things that, you know, you, you never know when the message that you're trying to get out there is going to be received. And, and, um, 
it's not magic. You're not going to go out and talk to a group of students and suddenly at the end of the school year, you're going to be inundated with a hundred applicants, but you know, two or three at a time um, over the course of a number of years, they certainly add up. Well, and you must've had some sort of impact on each of those students and others just like them, if they're going to come back two or six years later and remember you, right. that's, there's just such, such a great um, opportunity for just growing your business there as well. So, well, the next question I have for you then is how do we apply some of these principles for those that are listening? How do we apply some of these principles of what would you recommend if there's an HR manager out there who's in a similar manufacturing or, you know, construction or, or skilled trade industry, and they're having struggles to attract prospective workers, where would you recommend they start? You just shared a lot of really great examples of what you have done, but, but for those people out there, what recommendations would you give to them? Where where should they start? Well, I, in, in my opinion, you know, the, the, the thing that has allowed us to be successful is that we had 100% buy-in from ownership from day one. Um, that needs to happen because yeah. you're going to be spending time away from your office. And, and in some instances, you're going to, you're going to ask for, for you know, monetary contributions. They have to be 100% behind it. But you know, all it takes is, is you got to find the right dance partner. You need to find somebody in your community that, that thinks like you do. And, and fortunately for us, we have a lot of really good superintendents that are like-minded and that they want the best for their students. And they realize that, that not every kid needs to, should, or wants to go off and do the traditional college route. You know, they've yeah. seen the world, they, they know reality. So they're looking to expose their students to other opportunities and, and with the hope that, that, you know, the young person will find something that makes sense to them. So, you know, the example that I use is it starts with one and that really is, is all it takes. You know, the fortunate part in, in our state of Pennsylvania is that there's, I, I don't remember the exact term. I'm, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not an educator, but you know, a certain number of hours have to be devoted to career preparation. Um, so when these folks find out that there are people out there in the community that are willing to come in and do this for them, it's a no brainer because you're relieving them of, of that burden. And, you know, I look at, at how HR has changed in our industry. It's, you know, you have to become as much of a, of a salesperson or a business development person as, as, as anything, because again, what, what are you doing? You can't passively recruit anymore. That Those days are yeah. gone. Yeah. You've got to go out there and find these people. So how do you do that? You know, and, and you've got to make sure that you distinguish yourself from your competitors because there are plenty of, of, of other businesses in our area that do what we do. So what sets us apart? And, you know, we'd like to think that the first step is, is demonstrating that, you know, not only do we invest in our, in our current employees, but we're willing to invest in, and, and young people in the community, which, you know, has a side benefit of, you know, they have a mom and dad too, and maybe their parents are, are looking for a career change. And, and again, how, how do we get our name out there? I love that. So it starts with getting that buy-in from cross ownership and leadership and then find the right dance partner. I like that you said that. And then it's just getting to work, right? Figuring out what works to support the local community and area and prospective students there and show them that there are opportunities. Yep. 100%. Awesome. 
I love it. This has been such an awesome conversation, Sean. The last question I have for you, it's a little separate from our topic, but one I like to ask all of our guests is, you know, one of the things we really believe strongly at, at Eddie, our company, is that building a healthy business is one of the most charitable things you can do if you do it the right way, because you can impact the lives of so many people, your employees, you know, your community, your customers, all of it. So in your opinion, what is the quote unquote right way to build a healthy business? You know, when, when you asked me that at the beginning, I, I had a little bit of time to think about it. And I'm probably going to answer that in a little bit different way. But um, the, the I, I can't give you specific examples for for you know confidentiality reasons. But the thing that that we're that I think sets our company apart is, you know, if you get a business that's three and four hundred people unfortunately bad things are going to happen to folks that, that work with you and they're going to suffer tragedies. Uh, and unfortunately for us, we, we've had, we've had several recently. And, and I think the, the thing that is very unique about us is that our people come together um, to support these folks and ownership is behind them a hundred percent. So we're able to, to do things to support our, our folks who are going through this above and beyond what you know what what other companies might be able to or be able to in, you know be interested in so i think that's what sets us apart yeah that's 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 a really great answer just and what that shows to me is that you have been able to build a team with leadership and a culture where there's trust there's a sense of family there where people are comfortable enough sharing the challenges that they're facing in their life outside of work with those that they work with and being able to be have people who I can be trusted to receive that and respond and support in the right way. And it shows that you've done a lot of great work to build a healthy organization from the inside out there to me. Yep, I'm happy to be here. We have folks that that have, you know, 25, 35, literally 40 or more years of service. So that says something. Yeah, that does. Wow. It's impressive. Well, that's an awesome answer. I really appreciate it. The last question I have for you is if there are listeners out there who have follow-up questions for you on our topic today, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, I love the network. I am a serial networker. Um, LinkedIn is, I think, the most awesome tool. So look me up on LinkedIn. Perfect. And we'll drop a link to uh, Sean's profile in the description. So you can go ahead and find it there. But Sean, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be on our podcast today and share your insights. Really appreciate it. Jared, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having us. Yep. Have a great day. You too. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddie. Eddie is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddie, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddie.com today to request a demo.